Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. I wonder if you could tell me the story of Benjamin Perkin. So Benjamin Perkin is a 39-year-old executive in Canada. That's reporter Pranchu Verba, who covers tech and innovation for The Washington Post. And this story that Pranchu's telling starts early one morning in January. Ben Perkins' parents get a call on their landline around 7 a.m. in the morning. And the call is pretty serious. It's a lawyer, allegedly, saying that their son, Ben, has killed a U.S. diplomat in a car accident and that Perkin is in jail and he needs money for legal fees. The lawyer then goes and puts Ben Perkin, the son, on the phone. And Ben says, hey, mom and dad, I love you. I appreciate you. I need this money. And a few hours later, another call comes back. And this time it's the lawyer. And he says, we need 21,000 Canadian dollars. And we need it today because Ben needs this money to get out of jail. And they put Ben on the phone again. And Ben, in a distressed state, assures their parents that, yes, I need the money. Ben Perkins' parents are terrified. They do have a brief moment of wondering if this could possibly be a scam. But they remember in that moment feeling like this sounded just like their son. Ben's parents were able to quickly get 21,000 Canadian dollars. That's about 15,000 U.S. dollars from a bank. And they go to a Bitcoin terminal as instructed. And they send that money through a Bitcoin terminal over to where they need to send it. And then a few hours later, the real Ben Perkin, who's gone on in his entire day at work, makes his regular phone call to his parents at night, just checking in. And he's like, hey, mom and dad, it's Ben. And they are absolutely confused. They thought he was in jail. How is he calling them? What's going on? They tell him the entire story. And that's when they realize they've been scammed out of 21,000 Canadian dollars. Scammed by AI. Because that wasn't Ben on the phone. But it did sound like him for a reason. The scammers used AI to create a voice that sound like me. They used social media to come up with enough information about me to convince them they were speaking to me. Um, Obviously, it wasn't. Pranchu found Ben on TikTok, where his story of what happened went viral. And AI has more than enough capability and social media discloses more than enough about you to convince anybody that it is you. Prevent this from happening. It cost my parents $21,000. Today on the show, Ben Perkin is not alone. Generative AI has made it frighteningly easy to replicate someone's voice. 
creating a powerful new tool for scammers and anyone else who wants to use it. I'm Lizzie O'Leary, and you're listening to What Next TBD, a show about technology, power, and how the future will be determined. Stick around. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank, USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Prancho, I actually want to play you um, a little bit of audio. And I'm going to let my producers uh, drop this in and so we can listen to it. Hi, it's Pranchu. I have been kidnapped and I need your help escaping. Can you get me out of here, please? What do you think? Just don't send that to my mom. <laughs> because, uh, listen, I know my voice and I know it better than anybody. And I can tell that there's a little bit of a difference there in the tone, but that's really, it's scary how, how accurate it actually is. And, um, like I said, put that over a landline and to my mom with mom brain going on or grandma brain going on distressed. That's really scary. That of course is not actually Pranchu's voice. I made that using AI. I took a 30-second clip from a previous episode of this show that Pranchu was on. I paid $5 to a company called Eleven Labs to upload the clip and clone Pranchu's voice. Then I typed out what I wanted the voice to say. The whole thing took me about five minutes. It was strikingly easy to do, and it's accessible to just about anyone. How this kind of technology works is essentially you take... 30 seconds, a minute, a few minutes of a person's voice. You can find that on Facebook, Instagram, wherever you might find somebody's voice, YouTube, whatever it might be. You upload it to a website. There's some websites that are pretty cheap. Some are free. Some cost a few dollars. And then what that software, that AI software does is it analyzes everything that makes your voice so unique. So depending on how old you are, your accent, your gender, your regional differences. It analyzes every little part of your voice, and then it goes into a vast database of voices that it's analyzed because it's artificial intelligence. It can analyze it pretty quick, and it can analyze it pretty well. And then it can predict if you're going to say, for example, the word hello, it knows how you would say hello how every little what's called individual part of speech, how every little phony might sound. It can map that out. And then using these online tools, there's a way that you can type in, I want this voice to say, hi, I'm in danger. And using a clone voice of yours, it can make it say that. And very quickly, you can go from a 30-second audio clip of your actual voice have it uploaded and analyzed and recreated and recloned and then told to say something else by somebody else typing those words into a text box and out comes a file of you saying something you never did. 
These kinds of scams are not unlike other scams that we have reported on where they use what's called, you know, social engineering, basically finding human weak points. Um, But what makes it different is the use of AI technology. I wonder if there's any way to know how common these are. It's so new. And it's really hard to say how common it is. We are starting to see reports more and more now that it's getting common. After I published my story, I got several emails of people saying that they've filed police reports because they've been victim to similar scams. But the thing is, is we know so little about these scams, one, because it's so new, and two, by the time the crime has been committed, you don't have much information for the police to go off of. And three, if you're submitting a complaint, if it's not to the police, and you're submitting it to maybe the FTC, you're kind of explaining to them what you think happened. And people don't really have a good idea yet of whether they're victims of an AI voice cloning scam. For example, one of the grandmothers I talked to She, in the beginning, didn't know it was an AI voice cleaning scam. She, for some reason, thought maybe these scammers call anybody, and when they find somebody to pick up the phone, they can somehow analyze who that person is, and then there's a way to pretend that there's somebody else. And so she didn't have an idea of AI voice cloning. So it's really hard sometimes for people to know what's happened to them. Is there any way to know who's behind these things? I mean, often scams are part of sort of organized criminal syndicates. Do we know that in this case? We don't know this yet. According to experts that we've talked to, it probably is similar in what we've seen other imposter scams be, which are large criminal syndicates that can operate domestically or internationally. They can route their phone numbers through multiple ways and spoof phone numbers, and they have whole elaborate, you know, setups to take advantage of often the elderly and impersonating people to extract money. I was curious about that. Like, uh, how how do victims get chosen? Because there's a decent amount of work that must go into this up front. I mean, yes, it's easy to, to spoof somebody's voice with these online tools, but connecting all those dots is a little harder. It is. And again, it's hard for us to know the ins and outs, but... There is so much information about you online nowadays. There is a tremendous amount of information that I can track down for anybody. If I know your name and I see your YouTube, if I see a 30-second clip of you on YouTube with your name, I have a pretty good ability for me to track down a phone number of a relative that's associated with you. And now add in the ability for me to spoof you in danger It just takes a few extra minutes of work that's already been done. I mean, we know that people use information from social media to to attack our loved ones. It's been going on for years and years. The added thing in here is now they have an extra tool in their tool belt, which is that they can now replicate you with scary likeness and prey on the fact that your mom or your grandmother or your dad thinks that you are in danger. Pranchu found most of the scam victims in his story on TikTok and YouTube, in part because that was the only avenue they had to tell their stories and warn other people. Here's the thing. If you lose money, you go to the police, and then the police wants to know how to investigate it. We talked to somebody who had 
you know, two decades of experience in consumer fraud. And they said, even if you lose $10,000, $20,000, yes, it's devastating for that grandmother or that father or mother that loses that money. But for a police organization, if they're small, they might not have the dedicated team to track down consumer fraud that can be very sophisticated. And if they're big, they have other priorities too. And if it's in the grand scheme of things, a $20,000 scam, hard for, you know, hard for that victim. But with them, do they put three detectives on the case with no information, not, you know, potentially a spoof phone number, no idea where that phone number is from, no other sorts of leads? You know, you got to weigh the resources and what you have. And so that's why you kind of have this area where you're finding that the people who are falling prey sometimes are falling between the cracks. Well, that's a real bummer of a Venn diagram. Yeah, especially because it's our grandparents and parents, you know. When we come back, Kilmer, Obama, and Watson, oh my. One of the things that I think is so fascinating about this and, and scary is how easy this technology is to use. So I, I used a, um, a company called Eleven Labs. I took a 30-second clip of you to make that, you know, cloned version of your voice. But anyone could have taken that off the internet. What is the what is the positive use case that a company like that um, puts out there for their product? We're still figuring what the positive use cases are, but for a lot of people, probably, you know, the Oscars were Sunday, you probably watch Top Gun Maverick. If you watch Top Gun Maverick, Val Kilmer, for example, wasn't able to speak for parts of that, but they recreated his voice. The Navy needs Maverick. The kid needs Maverick. That's why I fought for you. That's why you're still here. So in some cases, you know, they had a lot of Val Kilmer's voice to go off of from his previous movies. And here you go, an actor that can't speak anymore, you're now able to recreate his voice. So... We've seen Hollywood, and I would count that as a, as a pretty good use case. But arguably, the higher-profile use of this technology, at least right now, is to make deepfakes. Things like Joe Biden, Donald Trump, and Barack Obama debating the best fast food chains. All right, gentlemen, let's get down to business. We have a lot of fast food restaurants to go through, so let's get started. Agreed. And let me start by saying that McDonald's is the best fast food restaurant, hands down. I have to disagree with you there, Donnie. McDonald's is okay, but it's not the best. Or Joe Rogan selling libido-boosting coffee on TikTok. If you go to Amazon and you type in libido booster for men, you're going to find it right at the top. And that's because guys are figuring out that it literally is increasing size and making a difference. None of those clips were real, by the way. But it's not hard to imagine internet trolls using this tech to cause real havoc or more sophisticated groups using it for disinformation. And some of that has already happened. The thing is, is Eleven Labs, for example, has gotten a lot of heat in the past month or so because, for example, a few weeks ago, somebody recreated Emma Watson's voice saying passages from Adolf Hitler's Mein Kampf. She never said any of that. Now imagine that taken to the nth degree 
an election happens, a politician says something that they would never say, and then that spreads over WhatsApp or whatever. And that's possible because the guardrails still aren't as good yet. Now, Eleven Labs has put in some guardrails, they say. For example, you know, if you have a free account with the company, you can't recreate voices like this or but the next level up of a of an account is just five dollars. So it's not exactly like that's too prohibitive. And people are trying to put watermarks in these types of audio saying, oh, it's AI generated. But by the time you have a convincing sounding thing spreading on the internet or in WhatsApp channels, the damage is often already done. And so the industry is having to grapple with whether this should be so easy to do and how to actually protect it uh, because it is you know, put into the hands of anybody a lot of dangerous possibilities. We reached out to Eleven Labs for comment, but we didn't hear back by recording time. Is there any regulation of this? No, not yet. Unfortunately, not that I'm aware of. Listen, our politicians are still trying to figure out how to how to regulate social media companies like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So I have personally no idea when they're going to get around to actually regulating generative artificial intelligence. So no, I mean, there, there are some bits of chatter in the Supreme Court about you know, hints that generative artificial intelligence companies should be responsible for the content that they help create. Um, but again, this is still so early. There would need to be an actual case that comes before the courts and rises up to figure out what harm they're responsible for. So we don't see much by way of federal regulation yet. And right now it's on the individual companies to do that. Yeah, you referenced Justice Neil Gorsuch in oral arguments for a different case, the Gonzalez versus Google case, said um, that AI chatbots would not be protected by by Section 230, you know, the, this portion of the Telecommunications and Decency Act that gives kind of widespread, I guess, indemnity to tech companies. I, I, I wonder if the companies behind tools like this um, sat up and paid attention when when he said that, because that seemed to say, oh, hey, you guys might be liable for a whole lot more than you thought. I can't say for sure, but I most certainly wouldn't be surprised if that caused a little bit of a eyebrow to be raised amongst AI companies, um, because it is one of the few statements that we have to go go on when it comes to the field of generative AI. AI is so hot right now. You have been writing about it. We've done several episodes. And, you know, you you referenced the sort of slow pace in Washington. But there has got to be some awareness, I would think, on, on Capitol Hill or in the agencies that this is a force that they are going to have to reckon with soon. Like, do you see that kind of seeping into general consciousness? Yeah, I am seeing that seep into agencies like the FTC, like the FBI. They are aware. And they the hard part is, is that they need people to be vigilant. So people are their best advocates. So they have offered very specific ways of protecting yourself. So they all say, if you ever get a call from a loved one asking for money, pause that call right away and then call that loved one yourself. Call that number that you know and confirm that it's actually them. And never, ever, for example, if somebody's asking you to give money in the form of a gift card 
or if somebody's even asking you to give money at some weird location to a Bitcoin terminal or go meet in a car someplace, be incredibly mm-hmm. suspicious. You know, trust your gut here. And informally, you know, we've actually heard a lot of families. I can't believe that they've started to do this, but to protect their elders, they've created somewhat of, of, of a safe word. So the the son or the daughter might have a word that they've actually told their parents in private conversation to say, hey, mom, dad, if I'm actually, if it's actually me and I'm actually at risk, I'm going to say the word pineapple and you're going to ask me to say the word pineapple. And that's how you'll know that I've actually, it's actually me asking for money. So people are trying to find creative ways to actually get through this, which is very interesting and engaging, but also very sad that we have to create safe words right now to ensure that the conversations we have are are trustworthy. Well, it does seem like a very kind of individual level solution to something that is, you know, maybe, I don't want to say society-wide, but certainly bigger than one or two individuals. Exactly right. I, I want to go back to where we started. Y- you alluded to this in, in your last answer, but the victims of these scams, what do they want people to know now that they are on the other side of it? Be vigilant. When it comes to money, don't trust that the person over the phone is who they say they are unless you verified it. Oh, that's so depressing. Very depressing. And I will say, in both cases, people felt very embarrassed. There was a sense of shame and embarrassment because they felt like they had been duped by something they shouldn't have been duped by. And that's sad because the technology is advancing and they also wanted people to know, don't feel personally shamed about this. This is really new stuff. Be vigilant, but understand that this is a whole new world we're going into and it comes with a lot of risks. Ranchu Verma, thank you for your reporting and for talking with me about it. Thanks for having me. Ranchu Verma is a reporter for The Washington Post covering tech and innovations. And I am an AI reading these credits who was trained on Lizzie's voice. And that is it for our show today. What Next TBD is produced by Evan Campbell and Patrick Fort. Our show is edited by Mia Armstrong-Lopez. Alicia Montgomery is vice president of audio for Slate. TBD is part of the larger What Next family. TBD is also part of Future Tense, a partnership of Slate, Arizona State University, and New America. If you're a fan of the show, I have a request for you. Become a Slate Plus member. Just head on over to slate.com slash whatnextplus to sign up. I'm not actually Lizzie O'Leary, but thanks for listening. <laughs>